So, Mark. Yeah. In an episode towards the end of last year, we talked about the genre of teen chronic illness movies. Or terminal illness movies. Yes. Uh, weird that that is a genre, but we have definitely crossed that line. So... Since today is our first foray into that genre on the podcast, I thought we could start off by Wait, playing a little first? bit. Wait, first? Does that mean you're going to be returning to this genre? I mean, it's That seems like an interesting choice to make. It's possible, but unlikely after the experience <laughs> of watching this one for me. So, here's the game. I am going to give you both, uh, Mark and our guest, summaries of teen terminal illness romances, and I want you to tell me whether they're real oh or not. Oh my god. Oh my god. Alright. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. Uh, number one. Hazel has thyroid cancer. She meets Gus, who has bone cancer in a support group. (laughs) They fall in love, travel to Amsterdam, and then he dies, and they read pre-written eulogies. Gonna say, this is real. Yeah, that's real. You guys know what it is. Yeah, the Fault in Our Stars. The Fault in Our Stars. Is his name Gus? The the progenitor of the genre. No, I feel like my sister's keeper is. Oh, no. Is that a romance? I thought that was just about the sister. I forgot about a walk to remember. Yes, that's a good point. But maybe The Fault in Our Stars has been the, like, rebirth of it all. These things go back further than I realized. It was kind of a surprise. All right, here's another one. Greg's parents force him to reach out to Rachel, a former childhood friend who has been diagnosed with leukemia. They become good friends again by watching movies, and Greg and his friend Earl make an original movie for her. On prom night, Greg abandons his date to go see Rachel and watch the movie with her in the hospital, and she dies shortly after. I think, that's real. I think I saw that movie. <laughs> that's real. Is it's that... me and Earl yeah, and I the dying girl. Yeah, I was about to say. It was a Sundance hit that then kind of went nowhere. All right, here's another one. Kelly is grieving her brother Trevor's sudden death in a car crash by acting out. She is punished by being assigned to work in the hospital, where she finds herself working with her brother's childhood friend Evan whose lung defects led to an oxygen deficiency that confines him to a closed, oxygen-rich bubble. Through their friendship, she comes to terms with her brother's death and falls in love with Evan. One night, he asks her to come into the bubble, but she has to be naked to keep out dust particles on her clothes. They have sex, and he has a seizure due to lack of oxygen to the brain. Evan dies, but Kelly learns how to process grief and resolves to live life fully. That one's fake. I also feel like, statistically, it's probably fake since the first two were real. All right, this one is fake. Okay, that was so it. out there. The, yeah. uh, the dust my particle, girlfriend came up with that the one. The dust particles on the clothes <laughs> is where I was like, yeah, this one's fake. All right, uh, here's another one. Some of these, Mark, you're going to know, but I'm not sure if uh, Maura will know. Okay, I'll let her answer first. Stella has cystic fibrosis. Patients in the hospital must stay six feet apart, but edgy patient Will, who has a bacterial lung infection, is always breaking the rules. They start dating in secret and stay five feet apart rather than six because they're in love. She falls through a frozen lake and he has to give her mouth to mouth, which is dangerous because of his bacterial lung infection. Later, he gives her his love notebooks and confesses his love before she dies. I'm pretty sure that one's real, but I don't see how five feet would really make that much more of a difference than six feet. Uh, You are correct. It's real. The movie is called Five Feet Apart. I just don't know how much more... Nothing annoys me like the idea of a diseased bad boy. (laughs) (laughs) like especially if he's the one that's contagious okay uh darren meets isabel at a rap concert they flirt but when he tells her he loves her she says she has cancer and will die within a year darren decides to give her a life's worth of living in the next year towards the end of the year they get married to each other 
and she dies a few days later. Why is it always the That's girl that question. dies? Well, no, in Fault in Our Stars, isn't it the guy? But other than yeah, that... in the today's movie too. Well, actually, yeah. no one dies in this one. I don't. I don't know. What do we think? Is this one real? I'm I'm thinking maybe no. Uh, I'm gonna say fake. This one's real. It's called Life in a uh, Year. It came out last year. Nobody saw it. Oh my god. Okay. Will walks in front of a motorcycle and gets paralyzed from the waist down. Louisa, who has zero experience, is hired as his companion. They gradually fall in love, but he decides to go to an assisted suicide facility because he doesn't want to be in a wheelchair. He asks her to come with him, and she says no. He goes anyway, but leaves her a letter telling her to just live. That's gotta I be I think fake. that might, one might be real. It is real. It's me before you, starring Amelia Clark. I didn't know that was the plot of that movie. He goes to assisted suicide because he's paralyzed from the waist down? Yes, the movie was very controversial, and disability advocates in particular spoke out at how yeah, I feel utterly like the, tra- the trailers did not that's... indicate that. I didn't see the movie, but I saw a lot that's of trailers awful. for it. Yeah. Wow. That is pretty bad. I'm honestly shocked that someone would let yeah. that get made. In 2017. Oh, God. Okay. All right. Next one. Katie has a life-threatening sensitivity to sunlight and can only go outside at night. She starts going out with Charlie, but doesn't tell him. They just go on dates at night. Later, she also learns that her brain is fatally contracting in size. Charlie learns about her conditions, but doesn't care. Figuring she'll die soon, Katie goes out on Charlie's boat with him to feel the sun and dies shortly after. That one's Is it real. really? I remember that one. <sighs> yes, the movie oh is called Midnight God. Sun. <laughs> Why are so many of these, like, I'm gonna just, like speed up my death to be with you at a slightly more convenient time. Alright. Gabe has a severely weak immune system that makes it especially dangerous for him to come into contact with other people's respiratory fluids. Alicia is a biology student who interviews him to learn about his condition. As she works on her project, they fall in love but can't kiss because he can't be exposed to other people's fluids. Alicia comes up with a way for them to safely kiss, which they do and have sex. Two days later, he falls violently ill as a result. Alicia comes clean so that doctors can help, but Gabe dies anyway. Five years later, she's a celebrated researcher and talks at an awards ceremony about how Gabe changed her life. I feel like this one is fake because rarely do they have the other person actually cause the death. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Mark on this one. Yeah, that one's fake. All right, we'll do one more and then okay. we'll move on into our episode because I know we're on a deadline uh, where you need to go. Gardner was born on Mars, so doctors aren't sure if his circulatory system can continue to function in Earth's higher gravity. He flirts online with Tulsa, a loner foster kid. Gardner convinces the Mars team to let him travel to Earth. He surprises Tulsa at school, and they go on a road trip to find his dad. After days on Earth, Gardner collapses because his heart is too big. He has to return to Mars, but Tulsa joins the astronaut program so that one day she can rejoin him. This movie is so dumb. (laughs) The worst... The absolute worst part of that movie is you read the summary and it sounds insane. And you're like, it's going to be fun to watch. And they managed to make it so boring. Uh, it's interesting. Like, let's we're going to talk about it. But like, it. The trailers for this movie really forefronted like two people on different planets who are in love with each other. And the movie dispenses with that like immediately. Yeah, because they're on the same planet pretty quickly. The movie forefronts Gary Oldman having an existential (laughs) crisis. I also was kind of surprised how long it took to get into the romance. I was watching and I was like, I thought Gary Oldman was going to be like an older version of the young boy who had fallen in love or something. It was so long. 
Yeah. Oh my god. Hold on. We gotta get going. <laughs> Welcome to We Love the Love, a Hollywood romance podcast. I'm Mark and I'm gay. I'm Will and I'm a ginger and this, of course, is an investigative podcast dedicated to examining the least important issue facing the world today. Does Hollywood romance actually make any sense? And are these people actually dateable no. or even likable? <laughs> it doesn't matter if the romance is a main plot or a one-scene flirtation. We'll dig in and see what's there. And this week, after over a year, we have brought back our chief medical expert, my sister Mora, to talk about the interplanetary love of 2017's The Space Between Us. It's been a very long time. I am thrilled to be back. Was the last one you did the fly? No, Raising it was, Arizona. Uh, Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona, of course. Yeah. We've... I think it was on the Step Brothers episode we had you rank how much you liked the different movies that we had you watch on this show. Yeah, and I think I realized after the fact that we left out Gaslight, which is unfortunate because I did like that one. Yeah. This is the worst one for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of those. Yeah, this one's pretty bad. This is the one where I would want to watch it again least. Yes, definitely. Yeah, that's probably true. So The Space Between Us, uh, it's a 2017 release. It was directed by Peter Chelsom, who had directed... Other romances like Serendipity and Shall We Dance, and also more recently, at the time this came out, things like Hannah Montana the movie. The screenplay is by Alan Loeb, based on a story by Loeb with Stuart Schill, Richard Barton Lewis. Loeb has a bunch of writing credits on, like, I, I don't know, minor hits of the late 2000s, early 2010s. Things like 21, uh, Wall Street 2, Rock of Ages. The important thing, Mark, for this movie is that Alan Loeb is the sole credited screenwriter of the film Collateral Beauty. Oh, God, remind me, what is that one? Is that Will Smith? That's the one where Will Smith's, like, wife is dead, and he's getting visitations from, like, these things that he, like, that, like, appear to be spirits that are, like, Edward Norton and, like, some other people who are, like, like, helping him to, like, find the will to live again. But then, like, the twist of the movie is that none of them are spirits. It's all, like, his co-worker like hired actors and oh my is, god like, did editing we the watch footage did we, we watch not. this we should we should it's a movie that was marketed as inspirational and is instead just utterly bananas where like the main plot of the movie turns out to have been like a corporate takedown scheme by a rival for a promotion or something weird yeah alan loeb weird guy yeah so i knew this movie from like seeing the trailers a bunch right it was a February release, which meant that when I was seeing movies like at the holidays or in the run up to the Oscars, I saw this trailer a ton. But I had not seen it until yesterday. What a choice that was. I remember seeing this trailer a lot, and I remember this movie disappearing. I don't I don't remember this movie coming out. I only remember seeing the trailer. I don't think I trailers. remember anything about this movie. So Mora, like cards on the table, we decided to do one of the terminal illness romances. And to have you on to talk about it. And so then we were like discussing which one would be best. So some of those movies we went through, like five Uh feet apart, we strongly considered. I decided this one would be fun because we get the space angle to it. But like it did barely come out. Like it opened in February of 2017, which you kind of get because it's like, oh, the like you get in like the Valentine's dates. Okay. But at that point, it had already been delayed several times. Like it was originally supposed to come out the previous July. And then it got moved to August, and then, like, they didn't want to compete with movies that were coming out then, like War Dogs or the Ben-Hur remake that I forgot happened. I didn't know that either of those movies were a thing. Then they moved it to December, and then delayed it from there to February, which is never a good sign. 
They no. did not have faith in this movie. Nor should they have. The thing, <laughs> it made it just a little less than $8 million in the U.S. Oh, my God. Uh, it was a calamity. How like, much they did... spent $30 million on this movie. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's... And it made eight. That's ridiculous. It spent four weeks in theaters. That's it? Wow. It opened in ninth and then fell to 11th, 29th, and then 39th in its fourth week of release. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Gary Oldman, what are you doing in this movie? (laughs) That's why I was so surprised that I recognized so many people in the movie. I was like, what? Did they think this was good? Or was it just like they didn't have anything else going on? So it was a job. I mean, Oldman did not have his Oscar yet. He gets his Oscar this year for Darkest Hour. Not for this. No, not for this. (laughs) He was respected before that, though. Yeah. He was not. I mean, they brought him on to try and bring gravitas to this role. Which was such a weirdly large part of this movie. It was such a big part of the movie. movie. The movie kicks off with Gary Oldman giving like a rousing speech about how the planet is dying and we need to look to the stars and we may not have a lot of natural resources left, but we do have an unlimited supply of courage. Wait, my favorite part about that speech was when he just kind of paused, pointed at the room, and everybody in unison, he was talking about Mars, and then everyone in unison said, just add water. (laughs) Where did that come from? It's clearly supposed to be like some slogan of their corporation, but then also the room is full of journalists. And it's like, is this a work event? Is it a journalist event? I just love that he's like quoting and then goes, this is me. (laughs) <laughs> from a letter I wrote to the president that he read on primetime television. But also he's like, I wrote this speech when I was 12 and now we've achieved my dream. And I'm like, oh, were you the most pessimistic 12-year-old ever? <laughs> I also love the idea they're like, you know, trying to escape this dying planet. But they didn't really make Earth look any worse. And they only no. filmed in the pretty parts. That's not set. I mean, the later stuff is set in the future, but the launch is in 2017. If you look at the mom's gravestone, her death date is 2017. Oh, I didn't notice that. Can we? Talk- I was trying really hard to place this in time. Can we take a brief moment to talk about how this movie starts with such an unbelievable premise where a woman who is an astronaut who is about to leave to Mars... Gets has unprotected sex. I just don't believe it would happen. I just don't believe it would happen. Yeah. I was also very confused because, so they show her throwing up on the space shuttle or whatever. As soon as that happened, you're like, oh, she's pregnant. And I was immediately like, she's pregnant and dying. Okay, I did not put that together. But then. If a woman throws up in a movie, she is pregnant. (laughs) Like I thought she was just space sick. Nope. That's what they wanted you to think, Mora. But if a woman throws <laughs> up in it. a movie, she is always pregnant. Okay, but it's like I how if someone coughs, they're going to die. What I wanted to know is immediately afterwards, they transmit an image of an ultrasound of her child down to Earth. And I like, did they have an ultrasound machine on this space shuttle? Like, that seemed unrealistic. And also, well, they are going, like, they're going for four years. They probably have a lot of medical equipment. But still, ultrasound I was also is weird to have because like, the plan is that no one gets pregnant. 
like it's a problem that someone I mean, has got. You, you you could use an ultrasound for other things. Yeah, I had to get an infection ultrasounded one time. Yeah, they use it just as a form of imaging, like they would like X-rays or CT scans or something Maybe like that. Maybe an astronaut is prone to kidney stones. <laughs> It's just, I, I just thought that was a little bit too much that they like immediately but had this image. That's the, that's the best part is that the way they decided to tell the boss is through ultrasound <laughs> and not just saying that she's pregnant. Or maybe they told him and then he was like, I want proof. I don't know. It was weird. A movie I thought about a lot during this was The Midnight Sky, which is the George Clooney movie that was released on Netflix last year. And it has a lot of similarities in that like Gary Oldman in this, the Clooney character is a guy who, like, at an early age said, like, wow, the planet's in, in a really rough state and committed his life to a space program to get humans a new home. So, like, we've got him as, like, the Gary Oldman character. And then on a spaceship that's, like, looking for a new home, I think they wind up with, like, one of the moons of Saturn or stuff like that. We have David Ayelowo and Felicity Jones who are banging and she gets pregnant and they're like, whoops, we weren't really supposed to do that. But at least there you're like, sure, these people are like stuck on a ship for years. Like you understand that they may not have had like resources for safe sex and might have gotten horny. In this one, you're just like, how how did you let this happen right before this mission? Yeah. And I mean, spoiler alert, the fact that it was also her boss. Yes, I was going to say he. But maybe also her husband. They did get married with that shaman. Yeah, but when he finds out that she was pregnant, he says something about, like, well, you know, she was a little bit irresponsible here. And I was like, you are just as irresponsible. You, you were you in were charge irresponsible. of this mission. You knew she was going. Don't put the blame on the woman here. It was, like, a two-way street. Well, and you are bringing up, like, the irresponsibility as the manager of the mission. He's even more irresponsible <laughs> as the person she was having sex with. Yes. I was so angry. And the thing is, it's just like, I just don't believe it. The movie is ludicrously dumb. I also thought it was weird that in, I was under the impression that this was the first, this mission was the first time people had gone to Mars, right? But then why was there like a fully functioning hospital when they got there for her to give birth in? I have two theories. One, robots went ahead and set up the like living facility. Okay. Which is possible. Theory two is this is the first long-term mission where people are going to be staying on Mars like for a long time. Yeah. And possibly like an earlier back. mission went and set it up. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I didn't like, I don't think they were, I assumed that people had been to Mars before and this was just the first time they were staying. But like, if people are going to spend a lot of time on Mars, I demand to see them grow potatoes in their own poop. It is a convention of the genre and I expect it. I don't really understand how they explained away the fact that this mission was only supposed to be four years, but then they had to keep extending it. I No, I think, like, that crew was supposed to be there for four years, and it was supposed to be, like, an international space station situation where people uh, cycle in and out. Because, like, Asa Butterfield mentions that, like, oh, yeah, one of those German scientists who recently arrived gave me oh, right. these, like, weird German movies. So I think that's what's going on. But like maybe Carla Gugino stays longer because she feels protective She's like of the him. the mother figure. There's a lot of just unanswered questions that the movie did not care to explain. And it made me angry. And also we're spending a long time thinking about them because the movie advertises itself as this romance of teens on different planets and takes 40 minutes to get to it. 
Yeah, and yeah. they never even explain how the teens meet. No, that was one of my biggest questions about this movie. You just see them start chatting, They're and I was like, chatting. "What? How did this happen? What kind of platform is this?" I had so many questions about how they met. Should we get into the points? Before we do, I just want to mention one thing that I think is interesting and kind of funny about this movie, which is like its development has roots in multiple troubled companies. Like the first version of this was called Mainland and that that was bought by Universal in like 1999 and then sat pretty much nowhere until 2014 when Relativity Media started working on it. At that point, it was called Out of This World. Under that, Asa Butterfield signed on coming off of like Hugo and Ender's Game. But then Relativity had to sell it to STX because Relativity was on the verge of filing for bankruptcy. So they couldn't commit to the project with like a bunch of VFX and stuff like that. Relativity then had to file for bankruptcy anyway in the summer of 2015, like six months after they sold the movie. They declared bankruptcy again in 2018 and they've only released two movies since 2016. Wow. One of which they were not credited on because of the way the contracts shook out. And the other one is a movie from last year that I have never heard of about like Peter Pan and Alice from Alice in Wonderland hanging out together. What? What? That can't be real. It's called Come Away. It's directed by Brenda Chapman, who directed Brave. It is apparently a real movie. Huh. Interesting. Oh my god. It has Angelina Jolie in it? She's in a lot of weird movies. I know, but I just feel like that would have been enough that it w- we would have heard, heard it. about it. Yeah. We should also acknowledge, I said that this movie was a financial calamity, and it was. I mentioned that critics and audiences hated it, which is true, but it was nominated for two Teen Choice Awards. It was nominated for Choice Movie Sci-Fi and Choice Movie Actor Sci-Fi for Asa Butterfield, and they lost both to Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Valid. A superior movie. I haven't even seen it, and I think it's probably valid. The other nominees for Choice Movie Sci-Fi were, like I said, Guardians... Kong Skull Island, Rogue One, Arrival, and Power Rangers. Okay, but Arrival should have won over Guardians of the Galaxy. I also now think that I don't understand the Teen Choice Award calendar, because Arrival and Rogue One are 2016 movies. Yeah, I would also put Rogue One over Guardians. Guardians 2 is pretty darn good. Yeah, I really like Rogue One, though. I like parts of Rogue One. I think it suffers from a real lack of Kurt Russell. But also, Arrival is just like... <laughs> right, that's the thing, like, we're talking about second place I, here. You're talking a, f- a pretty distant second. Oh my god, I can't believe this was even nominated. That's just rude. Right, and this is like a sixth nominee. This movie was just so bad. But it wasn't funny in any way at the badness. I had some fun times there were some, some of the absolute ridiculousness i do have to say when we're meeting tulsa for the first time and this 17 year old white girl says the line everyone's always fronting no one is real i did <laughs> lose it everything with tulsa is hilarious <laughs> my favorite part was when um gardner is getting ready to go to earth and he's watching all these movies and practicing he's like really stressed about how to be a human i knew you would like this <laughs> he's practicing 
like how to act based on the movies and he sees someone some guy open a car door for a woman and she says something like oh i guess chivalry's not dead at least not in nantucket and he stands up and like mimes opening a door and says at least not in nantucket and then later on in the movie he does the same thing for tulsa and obviously she's confused because they're nowhere near nantucket and he clearly just doesn't realize what nantucket is or thinks it's a common saying i'm really curious has alan loeb met a teenage girl i suspect not because what is going on with tulsa's character it's it's very weird i was kind of confused on the whole like airplane thing that she had going on too you're talking about the crop duster that she has yeah is that what it was i don't know yeah that's what that like fluid stuff that came off of it sometimes okay it's for fertilizing crops oh okay yeah i just every time tulsa spoke I was so confused. I'll say this for Britt Robertson, who plays Tulsa. The week that this movie opened, she was in the number nine movie at the box office, which of course was The Space Between Us. She was also in the number three movie at the box office that weekend, which was A Dog's Purpose. Oh, God. I don't blame her. No. Don't get me wrong. She's trying her best with some really (laughs) weird material. (laughs) She's also 27 in this movie. Yeah, she looked old. Yeah, she does not look like a high schooler. Asa Butterfield is 20, which is itself a weird gap between the two of them to be playing teenagers. But yeah, she is 27, which I do think is funny because it means that whenever they have scenes at the school, all of the background actors also have to be obviously too old so that she doesn't stand out too much. Well, it was filmed at Rydell High. Well, here's the thing. That part of the movie is set in the future. It's set in like 2033. Is it possible... That Greece is also set in the future, so that's why the school has old people, like in this movie, and then that could also maybe explain the flying car at the end. Did you text me this or tweet this? Yeah, I texted it to you, and I was okay. hoping we could make the same joke work here. No, I was just like, <laughs> do I, I, I was just like, this is the worst case of deja vu I've ever had. <laughs> I was so confused. I I swear I've heard this before. And it's because Will sent it as a funny joke text. Wow. All right. Uh, I know we're on the clock. Where my brain is at. We've been doing this for a long time. And by this, I mean very little besides recording podcasts because we can't go anywhere else. (laughs) Yeah. I think we need to start getting into the romance, which again starts 40 minutes into this two hour long movie. So, every week, we break down the romantic plotline of a film into five points to help guide conversation. As our guest, Maura, would you bring us to point one? Yes. So, point, So I think everybody, we kind of already established that Gardner is this boy who lives on Mars. This is just Here's some my background question. information. Who named him? I don't know. Who is his guardian? Like, Carlo until Gagino showed up. Yeah. Like, was she on the, she wasn't on the first mission. No. Was she not? This movie, again, does not care. Yeah. No idea. But so he, once they found out that there was going to be a child on Mars and it would be unsafe to bring him back, they decided to keep his existence a secret. So we have this secret boy living on Mars. So point one is that he, Gardner, and Tulsa have somehow met online. No one knows how. Study lab is over. Gotta go. Talk to mom. I'm not going anywhere. They've been chatting for an unclear amount of time. 
And he has been telling her that he is from New York because no one knows about this boy on Mars and would obviously not believe him. So he tells her that he lives in a penthouse in New York, but he has osteogenesis imperfecta and so he can't leave his home at all. And all so right, they is this a real thing? Meet. Osteogenesis imperfecta is a real disease. It is just like super fragile bones. I don't really think the people are homebound for life. I think they probably just need to be careful. They just but, have hollow bones. Yeah, they're just like very brittle and break easily. But I don't think they're like... Careful, my bones. <laughs> I don't think they're like resigned to a life in their home. So... Yeah, the thinking is that, like, because he's born in zero gravity, or on Mars, whichever one it is, like, his body is not adapted to Earth gravity, so the thinking is that, like, his respiratory system will not be able to pump blood properly if he goes to Earth. His cardiac system. Yeah, that. You're the medical expert. That's what we have That's why I'm here. That and giving advice to criminals. (laughs) Oh, and I have more on that later. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of crime in this movie, Will. Well, no, it's just, it's been a year since I've been on the podcast. I've had a lot of time to think about advice. (laughs) So, as you say, we don't really know how they encountered each other. What we do know is that they, like, Skype on these transparent laptops, which seem terrible. I couldn't figure out why that was better than a regular computer. They're transparent, so you can see through everything, but also everyone can see through to you. So, like, everyone in her classroom can see that she's just Skyping this boy. Yeah, I don't understand how the teacher hasn't been like, hey, we're in class. Well, she mentioned that that teacher's like drunk all the time. Oh, right. He's a bad teacher starring Cameron Diaz. Oh, God. Yeah, nothing to start a relationship off, like just building it on a solid lie. It is valid that like she would not believe the truth. Oh, very valid. Yeah, of course. But we see them interact once. But it's clear that they've been talking for longer. I just yeah. don't know why so much of this movie is about Gary Oldman. And I feel like this movie would do better to make a movie about Gary Oldman's relationship with this project and the crisis of having a child on Mars. Or make it a romance about the two teenagers. But this weird halfway space that they're trying to live in does not work. Neither of them gets fully developed. Yeah. Right. All right. So in point two... Gardner decides that he's going to get some kind of surgery to strengthen his bones so that he can- Don't they, like, infuse metal into his bones or something to strengthen them? Something like that. I thought from- When they showed the surgery, it looked like they were putting, like, metal rods in. But then when they did the x-ray when he was on Earth, it looked like there was just some, like- He's like Wolverine, where he has metal coated around his bones. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. It was weird. But he decides to get this surgery so he can strengthen his bones and then come to Earth. And then when he does that, he goes to Denver to visit Tulsa and just shows up at her high school. So many questions. How does he know how to get there? Why did you ghost me like that? Ghost? Yeah, you completely threw me off. You didn't return any of my messages. I told you I was taking a trip. For seven months? People have phones, you know. You can text, email. I couldn't contact you. It It was a very specific type of travel. Well, that's after, like, going on the run. Like, he's brought to Earth, like, as part of this space program, and they're like, you can see some Earth stuff, but you have to stay in controlled environments. And he just breaks out and then, like, runs to Tulsa? To Colorado? Yeah, he, like, catches multiple buses. And and then Carlo Gugino and the NASA guy, I never learned his character's name. Yeah. They are on the lookout for him because they know it's not safe for him to just be wandering around Earth. I'll say this for Asa Butterfield. One of the things that impressed me in this movie is I think he does really good gravity acting, especially in, like, the first hour, where when he is on 
Mars. He's like pretty springy in the way he moves around. And on Earth, like whenever he jumps or even just like takes steps, he's good at like falling very heavily. You get a physical sense of the way that he's moving through gravity he's not used to. Mm -hmm. That's fair. But so he shows up at Tulsa's high school and she's mad because... It's like it takes like seven months to get to Mars, and so he has not been in contact with her that whole time. And so she's kind of like, "This guy ghosted me, and now just showed up at my high school. Like, what are you doing here?" I love this detail because we don't have a sense of how long it's been. Where like we know that we saw them interact, we know that he's been focused on getting to Earth. He busts out, and she's like, "We haven't talked in seven months." I thought that was a good thing. Yeah, yeah one of the better I, ideas the movie has. I cannot imagine if that happened. Oh, you're in high school and your internet boyfriend shows up after a seven-month disappearance? Seven months is like forever in high school. Seven months? Even if it's not in high school, if you haven't talked to someone in seven months and then all of a sudden they just show up, like, at your work, that would be weird, too. Yeah. Someone showing up after seven months at any age is weird. Yeah. Showing up in general, it's not the, like re-establishing contact it's the fact that he was just there in person after they've never seen each other in person how did they meet and then i think he has some other story about where he's from like she was like okay where are you really from and i don't know i feel like he told her multiple lies like there was the new york story and then he maybe mentioned mars but then there was also like another kind of story and so she obviously doesn't believe she's like this crazy guy just showed up at my school and is not telling the truth at all he Goes into her classroom. She's like, I can't deal with you right now. I have to go to class. He follows her to class. Goes in. He has no idea how to interact with anybody because he's never been around another kid. But then, like, he interrupts class to give a speech about how great Nikola Tesla is. Everyone applauds for some reason. And then he leaves. I also, though... So, okay, he hasn't been around other kids, but he's been around other humans, and I feel like he should have a better understanding of how to interact with people than he does. Like, he, on Mars, is fine interacting with people, and once he gets to Earth, he's totally clueless and like an oaf. Yeah, that's a great point. Like, he goes around asking everybody, like, what's your favorite thing about Earth? And it's just like, I don't know. really strongly implies that scientists aren't real people and don't know how to have normal relationships with others. I mean, that's basically what we hear about the Carla Gugino character. I know. It's really weird. All right. So point, I guess we're kind of getting out to point three already. Yeah. So they're basically. Well, that's because this thing, like, it spends so long on Gary Oldman that it then moves through the romance, which is allegedly its focus, astonishingly quickly. So basically, like, after that day at school, Gary Oldman and Carla Gugino come looking for Gardner, and Tulsa helps him escape. So then it becomes like a runaway movie. Dude, do you have a problem? Because you've definitely been looking at me for the last four hours, and it's starting to freak me out. You're so beautiful. And then you blurt that out just like that? What? Yeah, why wouldn't I? Uh, Because you may want to... Just play it cool, you know? Ease yourself into the love game. But I do think you're beautiful. (sighs) You're the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. Okay, so slow your roll, kid. You're... You gotta calm down. They, like, use an app to hack a car, which, sorry, if it's not Dr. Horrible, I don't want to see that. Well, they also just stole so many different cars, and I kept wondering what happened to the previous one that they had been using, unless they were just trying to, you know... Evade the cops. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to stay in one car too long. 
But I was also confused. Gary Oldman and Carla Cugino always seem to have video footage of wherever Gardner was. And I was like, where are these cameras coming from? I want to know what percentage of this movie's budget was helicopter rentals. (laughs) So they're on the run, though. And Gardner starts telling... Tulsa that he's basically trying to find his dad and so she decides that she will help him find his dad and very quickly the two of them decide that they are in love first Tulsa doesn't believe any of his story and then next thing you know they're just in love with each other right because there's the fight where she gets mad at him for insisting he's from Mars yeah but you're right that that's resolved like immediately which makes it pretty stupid they're just immediately in love with each other in over in like after like a day or two and it just all seemed quite unrealistic. All right. In this point, we have to talk about the most bananas thing that happens in this movie. Mark, do you know what I'm talking about? I, uh, are you talking about the shaman thing? No, I'm talking about when Gardner fingers her while he's driving the car. Which absolutely happens. Oh my god. I think I blocked this out. I also don't think I was aware of that. I know there was definitely some weird car scenes. Like, it was just all very awkward. In the scene where he is driving, he keeps looking at her, and she's yelling at him to keep his eyes on the road. Like, why are you looking at me? And he keeps looking at her. And then, rather than follow her advice on how to drive safely, because, you know, he's only ever driven a Mars rover or something, he then, like, puts his hand on her leg, and the camera is just, like, watching as he's, like, moving his hand further and further up her leg, and it cuts away to just watching their faces right before his hand is, like, gonna go under her dress. And he's like, should I put two hands on the wheel? And she's like, no, this is good. Oh, and then, yeah. like, oh god, they're yeah. continuing to go, and the conversation then, like, she, like, she starts breathing heavily. At one point, she goes, what is happening? And he says, I believe it's called euphoria. Like, there's no way to read that oh, scene, god. except that he is fingering her while driving. That's so irresponsible. Yeah. I challenge anyone to watch that scene and tell me anything else has happened. That's wild. And then they have sex on the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. In their sleeping bags. And I I don't know. It just, <laughs> the whole thing was so crazy to me. <laughs> I watched it like two nights ago and it's a blur. Right. It flees from your head very quickly. Yeah. I mean, even the sex scene is really weird where he's like going on about how like, I don't know how to kiss. And she's like, you will. And then we have to watch him like very slowly drag his hand down her chest as she makes no visible reaction. Yeah, I felt like all the romance scenes in this movie were very awkward. Like when they do kiss for the first time, it was just very uncomfortable to watch. She's 27. Yeah. She's older than you guys. That's so weird. I can't imagine playing a high schooler. No. Oh, God. Yeah, so they're in love with each other and they bone. And then how do they find out about this shop? Like... So they stole some lady's iPad from in a diner. Like, they didn't steal it, but they borrowed it while she was in the bathroom. And they looked up his mom's name. And then, oh, and then um, Gardner had found the ring, the mom's Right, he got all that stuff because he found the secret USB that was shaped like a stick. Yeah, and he found, like, a locker on Mars with her stuff in it, and he found the ring. And so then Tulsa, like, Googled what was written on the ring, and it linked them to this shaman who apparently marries people. So then point four they decide to go visit this shaman to find out more about gardner's parents you look like crap you okay yeah 
know where we're going? Oh, yeah. Paris, Venice, and Cairo. But I think also in the process, the two of them might have gotten married. They don't. They specifically say they didn't get married. But I think the woman who was there thinks they got married. So I initially also thought that just everybody there thought they got married, but they didn't. But later on in the movie, Tulsa is wearing one of those rings around her neck. But I thought I had also seen Gardner wearing it on his hand. I don't know. You might be right. I don't know. I'm not sure. But either way, they go to this shaman. Who's played by Gil Birmingham, who's a great Native American actor. But this is a weird movie. They repeatedly say shaman, too. Yeah. Like, we are not using this term. The movie is using this term. Yeah. And his, like, circa 2002 shaman website also identifies him that way. Yeah, so he just, like, marries a bunch of people. And by looking at the ring, he's able to, like, pull up on his database, like, who the couple was. It is kind of funny to imagine Gary Oldman's character and Asa Butterfield's astronaut mom, like, tracking down this dude and having him marry them. I feel like it was maybe one of the things that, like, they didn't track him down, but they just were kind of, like, on a trip or something and were like, why don't we get married? And this was the closest option they could find. Wow. Somehow they get the address of the house, though. (laughs) Right, I guess, I guess Gil Birmingham gives them the address. Yeah. Yeah, so then they go to the house... Well, they go to Vegas first, and that's where he gets hospitalized. Was that before this? Yeah. I think that was after. No, the, like, uncle's house is the last location. Oh, right. Oh. So they do go to Vegas. For okay, so they go to Vegas. Cause, so the uncle's house... No, it's not. Why do they go to Vegas? They go Vegas? to Vegas because he wants to see the world, and in Vegas he can see the Eiffel Tower and the Taj Mahal and, uh, like, the pyramid. Right. So they just drive to Vegas. It's a very much a life in a year kind of framing. Oh, right, because this is where she actually accepts that he's from Mars because they see oh. his metal bones. On the x-ray, that's right. Okay, so they're in Vegas and all of a sudden he just like gets a bloody nose and collapses to the ground. His heart's too big! It's too big. He has Grinch disease. Yeah, so then he gets rushed to the hospital and Tulsa realizes she knows like very pretty much nothing about him when the people there are like, what's his last name? Where is he from? Like... What, tell us anything about this child. All He's she knows from is his East name. Texas, comma, Mars. Yeah, so that's when she f- just, like, realizes that he really is from Mars because she sees, like, the weird stuff in his bone. And then she tells him, basically, he has to stay, but she's gonna go. She'll find his dad, whatever. And I was kind of like, what's the point of you finding his dad? The whole reason I he wanted to, to come was so he there. could meet him. But yeah, she to made bring the dad sen- to Vegas. Oh, I guess maybe. But... Yeah, she was like, you stay here and get better. I'm going to go find your dad. And then somehow he convinces her to just let the two of them both escape from the hospital. And that's when they then go to his mom's house. Right. His parents' house. Yeah. To find his dad, who then, shock, turns out to be her brother. Right. Yeah, the mom's brother. So it's Gardner's uncle, not his dad. Who is having a lot of trouble processing. Understandably. I thought it was a little bit ridiculous how angry Tulsa gets with him for immediately not jumping on board with this story when he had no context this for the This strange situation. child shows up and says, hello, I'm your son. Shows a picture of your dead sister and says, I'm from Who died Mars. in space. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can understand why he'd be a little upset. But so then Gardner is like upset that his dad slash uncle whatever has this reaction and so then he goes out to the sea to try and commit suicide by just walking into the ocean 
I'm not sure he's trying to commit suicide. I think that, like, maybe he just realizes that he is dying and is like, I might as well die in the ocean. Yeah, I think he just wants to experience the ocean. I really thought it was suicide. Because I feel like he said goodbye to her and then was, like, walking into the middle of the ocean. I mean, like, he has a permanent nosebleed for, like, the last half hour. Yeah. Because his heart's too big. Wouldn't being underwater help alleviate some of the struggles? You would think. Because being in zero gravity does that. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so then while he's walking into the middle of the ocean, Gary Oldman shows up and pulls him out of the water. Um, Again, how did they know he was there? They had some weird camera footage. I don't know. They were always way too on top of where he was. Gary Oldman, like, rescues him and steals a plane, right? Oh, and then because uh, they say that Gardner needs zero gravity, he decides to just fly it higher up into the atmosphere. Basically, they, like, break the gravity line or whatever. Yeah. In a plane that's not really supposed to do that. Yeah, and then once they went higher up, Gardner was just, like, immediately fine, I guess. But in that moment, Tulsa was like, okay, you need to go back to Mars. Like, this is clearly not a safe option for you to stay here. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. You will die unless you go back to Mars. Here's what I don't get. Why can't she go to Mars? Because she's not a trained astronaut. Probably because she's a child. And also, like, Gary Oldman goes to Mars at the end of the movie. He's not an astronaut. He's just She's like a, a child, scientist. though. She's in high school. It's, you know, hard to, think... it's hard to accept that because she is 27. Yeah. If they had cast a real 17-year-old, you would probably be like, don't send this actual child to space. She apparently has a certain amount of autonomy because Carla Gugino just shows up at school and is basically like, hey, you want to be adopted? And she's like, sure. I actually thought that was like a foster home kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, oh, you're right. It didn't seem right. like her school. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Nonetheless, it feels like Gary Oldman could have done that, and she could have gone to Mars. Well, well I she's going to go, go to Mars, Mars in the end. Because she's getting yeah, trained so, to go to Mars. Yeah, so Yeah, but that five, means she'll get to go in, like, five years. Yeah, well, they will continue I mean, to Skype. <laughs> I understand why they didn't send this 17-year-old child <laughs> with no training to space. I also do. <laughs> I get why they didn't immediately put her on a ship after knowing this kid for two days. She should have been on the rocket. Oh my god. It's Give me something. It's crazy that Gary the movie ends with Gary Oldman on Mars. Well, they had told him his health wasn't good enough to go there, but then when he decided to fly that plane into the stratosphere, he was like, oh, guess I'm good. Good to know. Well, there's concern about, like, a benign tumor in his, like, brain or something like that. So it's like, Asa Butterfield is allergic to Earth, and Gary Oldman is allergic to space. But he's okay. But clearly not, because he's fine when he gets there. A very stupid dad. Who doesn't understand how birth control works. Can I just say, I don't know if you guys were, but I was shocked when we found out that he was the dad. Oh, no, I was not. I'd accidentally read it on Wikipedia. Ugh, I, I was... knew you guys weren't going to be surprised, and that makes me feel stupid. I assumed from the beginning that he was the dad. What? And then when we saw the photo, I was like, oh, I guess Gary Oldman's not the dad. No, I gasped when we found out he was the dad. Oh, my God. Again, this movie is more about Gary Oldman than the romance that we were promised. Yeah, so we find that out after after he gets rescued from the after he they get like pull him out of the water and decide they need to bring him into space. I think that's when Gary Oldman tells him like 
yeah, I knew your mom. And by the way, I'm your dad. Yeah, the marketing just really centered the Skyping. And there's like two scenes of it. Yeah. Yeah. So then point five, he is cured in zero gravity. So we kind of already said this, but Tulsa gets adopted by Carla Cugino, who is working on, she's like left the in Mars part of the program and she's working on training people. So she will train Tulsa most likely to then go to Mars and she can live with Gardner. And they still video chat every day for years, I guess. You're amazing. And I had the time of my life with you. (laughs) But the last thing I'm gonna do is actually tell you that. (laughs) You just did. Yeah, they can have some Martian babies. Ugh. As far as we know, no one has had sex in space. I like I fifty percent I'm like fifty fifty on that. On whether you think it's happened. Yeah. Anyway, after watching all of this film, do you find the romance believable? No. I do not. I haven't I just don't really think if I had been messaging with somebody and then after seven months they showed up and told me these far-fetched stories right the section on earth takes place over the course of what three days like we see two nights we see the night where they're in vegas and the night where they like have sex on the mountain and there's like maybe one night that we don't see i just don't i guess there's the night that he's on the bus understand why this movie gave us so little to invest in their romance like we didn't find out that how long they've been chatting on skype we didn't yeah. find out how they met over Skype. So I just think this movie doesn't care. Yeah. So every week we rate the romance of the film on a 10-point scale, with one being the least believable and 10 being the most. Mora, where would you rate the space between us? Oh, my God. I, I don't know. Maybe a one? I, like, really don't find it that believable. <laughs> I don't know about a one, because teens make dumb mistakes. That's why it's a one and not a zero. <laughs> I was thinking. Like I think I'm gonna give it a two. Two, yeah. Do you think that Gardner or Tulsa is dateable? No, I don't think um, so. Tulsa is like very weird. Tulsa's got just um, bad writer disease. We're introduced to her like walking into her current foster home. Talking a mile a minute to, like, the passed out drunk foster parent in a chair. She, like, grabs his jaw and is making his mouth move to mime him talking. Like, she's a very weird person. (laughs) Yeah. And then Gardner is from space and acts like it. Has no concept of how to interact with a human. If you did have to choose one person in this movie to date, who would you pick? I guess Carla Gugino? Yeah, that's what I, I was, was going to say. I was going to say either her or Gardner's uncle. He's got a great house. That mm. is true. With all the billowing curtains looking yeah. out onto the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, right Ocean. on the water. But yeah, I mean, Carla Gugino is nice. She's very supportive. She is. Yeah, she would be a good pick. Well, do you think Gardner and Tulsa will stay together? I guess I so. Mean, I mean, Gardner doesn't have any other options. Yeah, I mean, why not? These people aren't people. They're bizarre story constructs yeah i feel like because gardner has no options and because tulsa now lives with carla cugino she's probably just going to put all her energy towards getting to mars so i feel like neither of them is really thinking about other options yeah all right mora most important question should the space between us be adapted into a stage musical i think so i agree (laughs) 
I, Tell me why. I first had this idea when they randomly had Tulsa start like playing piano and stuff. And I. Yeah, it's bad. I thought that was just kind of out of the blue, but that was where I was like, oh, maybe this could be a musical. And I think it would help with some of the far fetched ideas. I love when they're in like Dick's Sporting Goods or something and she sits down at a keyboard and just yes! starts playing. No, it's a, a Costco. Song. They're in a Costco. Yeah. I think that you could have a lot of fun with the lack of gravity on Mars with some wire work. Oh, yeah. And again, you you reduce the Gary Oldman stuff and you have a longer segment of the two of them communicating from different worlds and you have a nice duet about that. I, d- I think this would actually be better as a musical than it was as a movie. It's hard to get worse. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that about does it for The Space Between Us. Oh. Wait, I what? have oh. my criminal advice. Oh, yes. oh right. Of course. Um, as you may remember from our Gaslight episode... Mora is pro-crime, and she likes to give advice to criminals on how they can better achieve their goals. Okay. I made a note on my phone with things that I thought of. There is no context for these, so I don't know if I thought of these while watching other movies or what. Wait, so for the last year, you have been taking advice from criminals and just writing them down on your phone? I think it was like one or two days that I thought of things and was like, oh, I need to remember these. So I just have a short bulleted list with, again, no context at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, the first one. Apparently, I learned in the past pandemic year that frequent hand sanitizer use makes your fingerprints less pronounced. So that could be helpful. In If you don't want to, like, completely file off your fingernails, that's something you could do that's less extreme. Your finger pads, not your fingernails. Sorry, yeah. Your yeah, if you don't want to, like, slice off your finger pads, which, like, the Joker does in The Dark Knight... You could just use, use a lot of hand sanitizer. Yeah, or if well, you don't want to, like, wear gloves or something. <laughs> mine, have pro- mine are probably gone, if that's the case, with the yeah. amount that I've used this year. Now I'm looking at mine. But also, now that I think about it, like, at work, we use hand sanitizer all the time. Like, every time you go into a patient's room, every time you leave the room, probably a couple times while you're in the room. But we have this, um like, med machine that the way you log into it is with your fingerprint and that still seems to work so maybe this isn't such great advice after all yeah i don't maybe you just have to like douse your hands in it kind of seems like your first piece of advice is terrible all right my second one is a little bit better maybe (laughs) my second point is why would you have (laughs) oh god what is it I just don't know where this came from. I said, why would you have facial tattoos? It makes you more recognizable. <laughs> I mean, that is good advice. Um. Okay, and my last point was... I really thought there were going to be more than three, if I'm being perfectly honest. Yeah, a year worth of work, Mora. Okay, my last point is, why would you strangle someone instead of shooting them? Because strangling them would get your DNA all over the place. Yeah, but shooting them, they can identify the kind of gun that you used, and they can maybe track you down through gun records. I guess You should use a knife. You should use an icicle so that it melts. Oh, even better. (laughs) That's all I have. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I was expecting so much more. (laughs) Yeah, I gotta say, next time you're back, we'll need some real advice for criminals. Oh, my God. You know, it doesn't just, like, come to me. Or it does come to me, but I can't just, like, come up with it on command. Well, what you do is, it's writing. You have to be diligent. You sit down, you write whatever comes to you, and then you can go back and edit. Why don't you go out and commit some crime successfully and then... Let you know how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, speaking of people who are in danger, next week we're talking about the mummy. Will has not seen the Brendan Fraser mummy, and I'm very excited for him. I have never seen any mummy movie. Fraser, Cruz, the one from the 30s. I have seen two of them. I think I've seen one of them. I don't remember which one it was, but... I have a feeling yeah, I'm it's excited about it. not the Tom Cruise We're kicking one. off the summer movie season. It's going to be great. Until then, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Love the Love Pod, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at lovethelovepod at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe, especially on Apple Podcasts, to help new people find the show. Also, I genuinely love reading reviews because sometimes they are insane. So if you want to leave reviews, please do so. The weirder, the better. Just give us five stars. <laughs> All right, last question. Mora, what is the best piece of dating advice we got from the space between us? I would have to say watch movies and then mimic the actions and the words that the people say in them. Like, I guess chivalry's not dead, at least not in Nantucket, even when it makes no sense. This is the guiding principle of my love life. (laughs) Will? Uh, For me, I'm going to say that long distance can work. But regular communication is key. So, for example, you should not go dark for seven months or else they'll get mad at you. My advice, road safety be damned. Finger while driving. Oh, my God. (laughs) All right. Well, there you go. Until next time, I'm a ginger. (laughs) And I'm gay. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye. Bye. Do you remember the time when you would go from Mars? I don't know if you knew that. I would stay up the playing cards and you were intimate cigars. And she never told me her name. I still love you to go from Mars. Sitting in a